The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? Ha <laughs> Good evening! You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 14, Episode 3. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, and in this episode, I'll be performing four tales to terrify you, courtesy of authors Joshua Hood, Haley Henson, Dale Thompson, and Finn McCool. Tonight we'll hear stories of raucous reflections, devilish deliveries, purgatorial printings, hideous hits. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two spine-tingling stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. <laughs> Life can be interesting, an interesting thing upon reflection. And by that I mean both in the musings of the past as well as what can be seen, literally, when you look in a mirror. Take heed, then, as Joshua Hood leads you into a tale in which you may not want to see what's looking back at you. Without further ado, I present to you The Green Mirror. I had to ask myself, was it possible there were slumbering demons from our past that might be better left unawakened? Carol Runyon, The Secret of the Dark Mirror. St. Clair of Azizi slid down from the gentle curve of the brass ring and landed on the matted carpet. Elma frowned. She dusted off the top of the Philco predicted TV set as though that would help the pewter effigy stick better. St. Clair, recently ordained saint of television, fared no better the second time as she, almost deliberately it seemed, plummeted back to the floor. Elma rubbed her lower back and thought about leaving the figurine where it lay, but felt guilty of that idea. She groaned to the floor and retrieved it, then set it down on the shelf next to the predicta. Soon after... Ed Sullivan glowed from the TV and into her living room, which suddenly felt less small, like a window to the world had been opened. When she turned off the TV an hour later, it was like the window closed. The world came zooming in like the type of special movie effect that she was now able to watch at a whim. She smiled and got up. The sun had set, and for the first time in memory, she hadn't turned a light on before dark. Fitting her way into the bedroom, she found a switch and clicked light back into her world. In the living room, the pale green window of the predictor suddenly became a mirror. Motionless, silent, it darkly reflected back the shapes and movements of the room. Elma shut the door just as St. Clair took another tumble to the carpet. Another day, very much the same. Elma's fingernail scratched away some flaking paint on her eggshell white refrigerator door. The flakes, no bigger than dimes, fluttered to the floor, bringing to life the shiny silver metal behind them. A shiver went up her old spine, threatening to lock up her hips. She looked away from the glimmering steel, quickly down at the floor, where the paint flakes settled to rest. She slapped her wrinkled hand over the gap in the eggshell white and swore she could feel the metal beneath, moving in an unholy way. She breathed again and realized it was all in her head. It had probably all been in her head for the past forty years, but now was no time to change. The Philco hummed the distinct voice of Jack Benny from the living room. Without looking, she slid a magnet from the center of the eggshell white and over the spot under her hand where the polished steel shone through. Then she hazarded a look slowly. The spot was covered, no reflection. She was out of eggshell white, but had some blue sky paint in the closet. It wouldn't match, but oh well. 
By the time the blue splotch dried, Jack Benny had become your hit parade, and Elma was back in her comforter. She capped a pen and blew the ink dry on a small square thank you note in her lap. Then she tucked it into an envelope addressed to the church charity drive that had given her, amongst other things, the Philco TV and the stainless steel Maytag refrigerator. Groaning to her feet, she placed the envelope on the shelf next to the TV, then kissed her fingers and gently touched the head of St. Clair, now taped soundly to the shelf. She twisted the predictor's knob until the window became a mirror. Then she went to bed. That night she dreamed, for the first time in a long time, of being forty years younger in a smoky room with Turkish rugs nailed to the walls. She could hear the clink of glass and the laughter of drunkenness so loudly that the single-panel wooden wall between her and the saloon might not even have been there. Incense smoke hung heavy in the air. The little crucifixes on the censers had gone unnoticed by everyone so far, as Mama Magdalisa, that is to say, the once and future Elmas, Catholic roots had shone through even then, long after she'd given up the habit. She could feel, in that way dreams have, the weightless presence of a chain of silver coins that hung around her neck and full gold bracelets around her wrist. As soon as she acknowledged them, the barroom din ceased, and the sound of jewelry clanking resounded loudly in its place, bringing a sense of nostalgia that she hadn't experienced in a long time. A knock sounded at the door, and Mama Magdalisa bade the knocker to wait a minute in her best Romani accent as she flared her maroon and gold-threaded robes around the pillow on which she sat. She straightened her long black braid and almost said, Come in. Then she saw, balanced in front of her, in its magical brass table stand, erstwhile plant holder, polished obsidian oval that dread had kept from her memory for the past four decades. Suddenly she feared who waited on the outside of the door. Suddenly she wanted to wake up very badly. With a thump, the black obsidian mirror toppled over on the table and she startled awake. Sun shone between the curtains, filtered through the newspaper that she'd taped over the windows. Sounds of the city in the early morning replaced the sounds of the claustrophobic room. Someone knocked on her apartment door. Elma forced herself to stop shaking and bade the visitor wait, just as Mama Magdalisa used to do when a client arrived. She wrapped herself in a robe and went to the door. Father Davis waited on the other side. He smiled with genuine warmth, still not recognizing, after four decades, the gypsy fortune teller whom he'd gone to see as a nervous young man just entering seminary. "'Good morning, Miss Tolman,' he said. "'And how is your newest addition working for you?' "'Oh, just fine, Father,' Elma replied. "'Come see.' She walked him over to the TV and clicked it on. A woman with black braids and a bandana tied around her head appeared. She was gazing into a crystal ball with a mysterious gaze. The number K666 and the words, "'Call now,' blinked on the screen. "'Oh, my,' Elma exclaimed, twisting the channel knob until a game show came on. What a terrible thing to broadcast so early in the morning. It's okay, Elma, Father Davis said, a thoughtful look on his face. Recognition, perhaps. Just so long as you're still finding time for devotion, he teased. Of course, Elma said. 
Oh, can you take this? She handed him the thank you note from the shelf. It's the least I could do. Absolutely, but you need do nothing for us. We just want to help, the father said. They continued talking for some time, having coffee and toast. Elma was grateful for the company. You know, he said during a lull, I went to see a fortune teller once, much like the one we just saw on TV. She gave me some very bad advice. You don't say, Elma said. It's true, it was a long time ago. In her mind, Elma relived that day from so long ago. A handsome seminary student, still in his collar, had timidly come into her den, holding his hat in his hands. Her first thought was that he was too good-looking to be taking a vow of celibacy. She firmly believed then that only ugly men should be allowed to enter the clergy. She had him sit and began their reading. He didn't want his cards read or the crystal ball. He practically sneered at the idea of the spirit board. He simply wanted to know if he was making the right decision by entering the clergy. She told him that if he was desperate enough to come see her, then clearly he wasn't. She told him to toss out his Bible and run the other way. Catholicism was just another superstition, after all. Clearly, he hadn't listened, which was good, because if he had, then she wouldn't have a brand new Philco in her living room right then. Elma smiled. Well, I'm sure the Lord has forgiven you, she said. Oh, I'm sure, he smiled back. Well, thank you for the coffee. I must be going. Oh, so soon. Elma was genuinely disappointed. I'm afraid so, but at least you have your new TV to keep you company. I guess so, she smiled as genuinely as possible, and walked him to the door. Moments later, the Philco was glowing again, and it was true. Elma felt less alone. There was a time when she never felt alone, when she would have given anything to stop the eyes from lingering through every mirror and polished surface. Solitude was elusive. Then one day she smashed her mirror, threw out the vanity, and began painting everything that glittered so that there was nowhere for the eyes to hide. She remembered the moment when the last coat of paint went onto the brass doorknob of the bathroom, and her eyes finally shut. It was liberating. She was finally able to sleep without the dreams. That was many years ago. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Since then, she'd all but forgotten the eyes in the mirror, the eyes she couldn't always see but that could always see her. When the memory had faded into the distant past, she began to get lonely again, like all single women her age who, for one reason or another, don't go outside. She never got lonely enough, though, not enough to let the eyes back in. The little cowboy dummy on TV had just began cracking jokes when Elma's eyes closed the TV faded to the background as she slept, distant and obtrusive, not loud enough to overcome the din of the saloon and the clanking of brass bracelets. The polished obsidian, the black mirror, loomed before her in the small, smoky room. It was bigger than it had been in life, as was befitting the gravity of the thing. This was the day that everything had changed. The man sitting across from her was very different than the good-looking priest she'd last been thinking of. He was short and hairy and as drunk as any of the patrons from the bar next door. They were her best customers, despite their sometimes presumptive attitudes. This one wanted to know the future of horse racing. Mama Magdalisa was always very careful about giving exact details. If the patron was sober enough... She had a dozen ways to divert or distract from the question, but if they were drunk like this side, then she'd just make up whatever they wanted to hear to get the biggest tip and trust that they'd forget about it by morning. You're in luck, she told the side. This mirror just arrived from the far east, dug up from the tomb of a pharaoh, and sent to me by the greatest magician in Persia. Its secrets know no bounds. They say you can speak directly to the great god Ra, and he must answer three questions. The sot swayed sideways a little and hiccuped, unimpressed. Elma skipped the rest of the bit. She chanted some nonsense over the black mirror and waved a smudge of sage as theatrically as possible. Normally, she'd light it with a candle so the smoke would swirl around mystically while she explained that sage would protect them from the evil spirits, Bet she figured it was unnecessary to impress this louse. Maybe that was what went wrong. The next thing she knew, she was staring into the vague reflection of someone who wasn't in the room. Black mirrors, obsidians specifically, didn't actually polish to a shine. If anything, they lose most of their reflective capacity when buffed. But somehow this one had become as clear as a funhouse mirror and just as dizzying. The face warbled as Elma's head swam. It looked around the room, then back at Elma. It was impossible to make out features in the uneven surface. Elma was shocked. She picked up the polished stone at a junk sale for a nickel. Raw? she asked. The face said nothing, but shook its head. Had she been right? Was there actually a spirit in the stone? Did this hocus-pocus actually work? What do you see? The sod asked. Um, it's the spirit of the things to come, Elma hedged. The face nodded. Who's going to take the purse, then? 
picked up the sod. Alma ignored him and stared at the face. Tell him, the face said. Exterminator at thirty to one. It was a male voice that echoed as though it came from a tin can. A slight grating, was it a growl, rumbled under its words. Tell him, it demanded. Alma did, voice wavering. Exterminator? That spindle? Uh, I, I ought to get my quarterback, the sot said. You're worthless. He belched and stumbled out the door. Alma looked down, and the face was gone. The next night, Exterminator took the purse. When she woke up, the cowboy dummy had been replaced by the faux gypsy, staring into a crystal ball. The number K666 was at the bottom of the screen. Alma shivered and moved as quickly as her old legs could carry her to the Philco. She clicked it off and the room grew quiet. She fought the urge to look around for the eyes she could swear were watching her. Impossible. She painted everything. It was bedtime anyway. Less than an hour later, she was dreaming again. The sound of a horse track and full swing faded from the dream as silence descended. She held a smoldering smudge of sage, but it was too late for that. The face swirled in the obsidian mirror in front of her. A pile of money, more than she'd ever had before, sat next to the mirror. Bracelets, real gold ones, rattled soundlessly on her wrists. Blood dried under her fingernails. Madame Blavatsky is nothing to you. The face spoke without moving its mouth which was barely discernible half the time, but the sound came through the echoing distance clearly. Mama Magdalisa will be the name on all their tongues. Followers will flock to us, but it's not over yet. You never said anything about hurting anyone, Elma said. Some circumstances are beyond my control, for now, but soon it will be as you will it. Fame, fortune, whatever you wish. Was justice not served tonight? The dream suddenly shifted like a hard cut in a detective show to the memory of the bad man cowering in a dark corner of some danky alley, eyes scratched and bleeding, maybe blind. He wasn't supposed to be dangerous. The gun was unloaded. The face had said as much. His pockets, however, were loaded with the money he'd stolen from people who didn't know that. The face said he'd be easily scared, susceptible to blackmail, that he'd pay handsomely to avoid the police. And why not? It wasn't his money anyway, not really. Well, the gun wasn't loaded, but she hemmed too long, mulling over the rightness and wrongness of the thing, so that by the time she confronted him, he'd just come from a pub and was full of enough liquid courage to shatter a whiskey bottle over a dumpster and start swinging shards at her. This is why you must do exactly as I say, the face admonished. If the face hadn't shown up when he did, the swirling reflection of the jagged bottleneck in the mugger's hand, Elmo would have been seriously hurt, or worse. It was the first time she'd seen the face somewhere other than the black mirror. She'd felt like it had been growing stronger, and she knew it. Fortunately, she was less surprised than the mugger, and in his hesitation, she raked her long red nails across his face, felt him sink into the soft white of his bulging eyes, and made off with his pocket of cash. The face was appeased. 
The dream cut back to the room, but now it was the next day. The table held nothing but the black mirror and more sage. She was alone in the room when a hard knock came from the door. Elma panicked. How much stronger would it become? Had it become? Suddenly, she wanted to be gone from there, to wake up from the dream, but this time she didn't. The knock came again, echoing like a tin can. Mama Magdalisa quailed and shrieked a little. She feared who was on the other side because the obsidian mirror stayed black. The door rattled, and she inched back from the table, legs asleep beneath her. Then, gathering a burst of courage fueled by fear and the portent of many terrible things, she reached out and smashed the black rock against the table so hard that it shattered into a thousand glittering splinters. Her hand burned with a dozen paper-thin slices, but she didn't pay them any heed. She held still, listened. The door was silent. When she woke up, it was still dark. Barely an hour had passed. She felt around in the shadows of the night until her hand lit upon a rosary. She clutched it and prayed, a habit she'd resumed on that very day when she smashed the black mirror. Not long after that, she gave up the spiritualist lifestyle and returned to the church in earnest. The sounds of the dream faded behind a dozen muttered Hail Marys and got our fathers until she could breathe steadily. She hadn't seen a reflection since that day. Everywhere she went, she'd painted, taped, or scratched off ineffectual every reflective surface she'd come across. But she hadn't considered the television. Maybe it was old age. Maybe it was the disbelief of time and distance. Or maybe it was just loneliness. When she opened her eyes after a dozen prayers, she saw the dull glow of Philco through the dark frame of her bedroom door. The screen swirled with the shadowy reflection of something unseen. Morning came, but Elma didn't crawl out from under the covers until an aged bladder made it imperative. She stared at the floor all the way to the bathroom, then stared at the floor as she went to the bedroom door and slammed it shut. For a brief instant, she thought she'd heard an echoing whisper say her name. Not Elma Tolman, but Mama Magdalisa. She thought of calling Father Davis, but what would she tell him? That a demon and her TV had come through to get her after so many years? She'd be in an institution surrounded by shiny mirrors before she knew it. All the same, she knew that she couldn't hide forever. A quick search through her closet, and she found a sky-blue paint can. The thought of painting over the glossy new TV saddened her. The loneliness of silence, broken only by a motionless and boring radio, niggled her mind. But she could think of nothing else. Even the tape and newspaper were out in the kitchen, past the thing in the green mirror. She had to do it. She wouldn't even bother with a brush, just charge out and splash the color of pure sunny sky over the screen. It would talk to her, tempt her. It promised such beautiful things, and she knew she was weak. No weaker than anyone else, perhaps, but all people are weak in the face of temptation. That was the strength of the face in the mirror. Not its ability to see the future, but the temptation of the things it offered. She'd have to be quick. Stealing her elderly heart, she pried off the paint can lid, twisted the eggshell white doorknob, and threw open the door. 
Why chase away a friend? It is sailed immediately. This life can be so lonely. I can help with that. She shuffled out the door. We can live together. Be out of this apartment forever. See the sun again. She passed the chair. I only want to help you, Mama. We can be great again. Hairs lifted from her head as the speed of her fuzzy slippers raised a static charge. How about that Father Davis? Still handsome after all these years. He's thinking of retiring from the clergy, you know. She slowed, but only for an instant. Imagine you two together. It won't cost you much. Just devotion to me, your old friend. Elma cocked back the can of paint, ready to plunge it forward, then stopped. A very wise choice. Just hear me out, Mama. Imagine the possibilities. She smirked. The reflection smirked, too. Where shall we begin? Elma lowered the paint can and reached out her empty hand. With a twist, a quick twist of the knob, that old familiar face blipped out of view and was replaced by Bozo the Clown's permanent smile. The sound of kazoo music and children's laughter filled the room as the voice of temptation fell silent. A window to the world had opened. Another day, very much the same, a fleck of paint drifted to the bedroom floor. The golden glint of a polished brass doorknob reflected the blue-gray flicker of the Philco predictor across the room. The old woman reclined in the chair not ten feet from the screen, ignoring all else. The demon of wanted things peered over her shoulder, face warbling in the tiny brass mirror. It marveled at the glowing screen as an advertisement for Goodyear tires played jauntily. The demon sighed. He knew a lost cause when he saw one. An image of a little boy with an ice cream cone replaced the shiny cars, and the old woman twitched a glance at the freezer, reflexive, unconscious. The demon marveled again, feeling obsolete. With another heavy, otherworldly sigh, he disappeared back into the hazy mist from which it came, leaving Elma alone forever. He knew when he was outmatched. I hope you enjoyed The Green Mirror by Joshua Hood as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support him by visiting simplyscurrypodcast.com slash joshua-l-hood. That's simplyscurrypodcast.com slash j-o-s-h-u-a dash L dash H-O-O-D. You can enjoy two book collections of his works currently on Amazon, and he appears regularly on our podcasts. And even more especially, you can catch him in our Chilling Tales for Dark Nights anthology, Volume 1, in which you can read another sinister tale of demonic troubles. Thanks again for your support of this program and tonight's featured author. I once went to a fortune teller at State Fair to explain what she saw in the future, she foresaw a long and exciting time for me. I told her I wasn't interested in my future but hers. She didn't say anything, but looked into her crystal ball, started screaming, 
and ran out into the crowd. I told the guy in line behind me he'd probably be waiting a little while before his turn came up. He sighed, put his shovel away, and said he'd try again another night. So I suppose I did a terrible job playing matchmaker, as accidental as that was. But sometimes, some people just really aren't made for each other. I guess it all depends on how and where you meet, because, as Haley Henson's about to show us, sometimes what looks like a perfect match doesn't quite fit. Without further ado, I present to you, It's Hard to Resist Omegle. Before I even get into this, I've got a very important public service announcement for those of you already judging me based on the title of this alone. I don't want any of you giving me lip in the comments about how I shouldn't have even gotten on Omegle. Oh, it's Omegle. What'd you expect? Come on, bro, you should have known you were going to see some wild stuff on there. What are you even doing on Omegle? Yeah, I don't want to hear any of it. Trust me. I've been through enough. In fact, you should be glad I'm posting this at all. At the expense of my dignity, I'm going to explain my situation so I really don't need the judgment, okay? I just need you to listen and please heed my warning. Stay off of Omegle. Sure, the allure of talking to strangers is cool and whatnot, and it definitely helps to pass the time. But sometimes you get yourself into situations that you can't easily get out of. This is one of those instances. It all started last Friday night. One of my friends was stuck with his girlfriend. One was out of state. And the other two were at a party that I had no interest in attending. So that meant I was going to order a pizza, maybe play a little Halo, and throw back a couple of beers. Pappy's Pizzeria, this is Daniela speaking. The girl's voice on the other end of the line was monotone and uninterested. She sounded like she hated her job. Great. I could already tell that the customer service was going to be stellar. Hey, yeah, I'd like to place an order. Uh, carry out or delivery? I scoffed, the snarky teenager cutting me off and loudly smacking her gum into the receiver. Delivery. Gotcha. What can we get you started for? I internally cringed when I heard her pop a bubble before she said, Hello? Uh, yeah, sorry. Can I get one large pineapple and ham pizza? I uh, got it. Anything else? I could hear her annoyance the longer I stayed on the line. And then the muffled sound of someone in the background. Danny, you almost done with that call? Addison Ray's mom's going live on TikTok, and you've got to see this. Uh, yeah, one sec. I've got to get this boomer off the line first. Excuse me? My brows furrowed as I clenched the phone. I was twenty freaking four. Oh, sorry about that. I thought I had you on mute. She sort of giggled before she said, Is that it or... Yeah, that's it. Name of the order? Ryder Kentwood. Okay, give me one second. I spent the next few minutes on hold. She was probably watching that stupid TikTok live. This was ridiculous. Right when I thought about just hanging up and calling another place, she finally got back on the line and I gave her my address. She said it would be about 30 minutes, 
So I decided to find something to keep me occupied until then. Something told me it was going to be a bit longer than 30 minutes. As I scrolled through some YouTube shorts, I came across a guy that I'd subscribed to a couple of months back. He always did these hilarious Omegle videos where he catfished the men on there into thinking he was a woman. And that was what gave me the brilliant idea to try out Omegle for myself. I'd always watched the other videos of people checking it out, and it looked like harmless fun. Looking back now, I wish I'd uh, poured bleach into my eyes instead. After the first couple of people, I was starting to get kind of bored. It was all the same thing. Guys with guitars, a magle, riser girls who had eyelashes so fake that they looked like they could fly away every time they blinked. And countless dudes with their third le- Well, for the sake of keeping this clean. Let's just say they forgot to put their... Pants on. By the time I decided to call it a night, I connected with a woman, and she was drop-dead gorgeous. In a way, I was completely and utterly mesmerized, and this time, I didn't find my finger hovering over the skip button. Instead, I found myself sitting there and staring at her like a lovesick puppy. Hey, how you doing tonight? Her voice was like velvet, silky and smooth. Oh, I'm, I'm good, I smiled, stuttering over my words. A deep blush settled over my features as I tried my best to contain my nerves. My fingers toyed with the string on my hoodie as I looked her over. Raven-colored hair cascaded down her shoulders in a mass of voluminously shiny curls. My eyes moved down her face slowly, drinking in features that stood out in stark comparison. Seafoam green eyes gazed back at me, framed by thick, dark lashes. I'm Lily. What's your name? Then she smiled, and I swear to you on everything holy that in that very moment I thought the heavens themselves opened up and angels started singing. Perfectly full lips painted a dark shade of crimson, parted slowly, and revealed a row of pearly white teeth. This woman was absolutely stunning. Are you okay? she asked. A singular dark brow raised as she smirked. This woman had to know what she was doing. There was no way that she could look as good as sin and be totally oblivious to the fact that she... Well, that she had did that to me. With a nervous chuckle, I wiped the drool from my mouth and rubbed the back of my neck anxiously. She was easily an 11 out of 10 on the smoke show meter, and I was going to kick myself if I fumbled this. Uh, hey, yeah, sorry. He's just really beautiful is all. I'm Ryder, but uh, you can just call me Rye. She was silent for a moment, and this silence is what caused me to ramble. In fact, you look a whole lot like someone I know. I laughed awkwardly and then continued. Yeah, you know what? You sort of remind me of my ex. I internally cursed when I realized what I'd just said. I accidentally word vomited. Now I absolutely obliterated any chance I had at bagging this smoking hot babe. It's over for me now. I might as well just throw my whole entire PC out the window. Your ex? Lily gave me a funny look before she announced. Well, she must have been absolutely stunning. 
With a wink, she smirked before running a hand through her luscious locks. Once again, I paused, a bit caught off guard. I didn't know what good I'd done in my past life to deserve that second chance, but I was incredibly thankful for it. I thought for sure I'd screwed it up. Do you live by yourself, or do you have a pretty little roommate to keep you company, she suddenly asked, distracting me from my internal dialogue. Oh, um, yeah, it's just me. Why? A part of me was completely flabbergasted. Was she seriously asking me that because she wanted to know if I was single? Maybe I was just overthinking this. She was completely out of my league. Perfect. Lily's face lit up at my answer. Jet black fingernails twirling a piece of hair around her finger before a cheeky look slid across her features. I just so happened to live in the heart of Dixie myself. With a sly grin, she bit her bottom lip and continued. Want some company? For all of five seconds, I freaked. I couldn't help but wonder how the heck she knew where I lived until I realized that she could probably see the Alabama, born and bred, Roll Tide poster on the wall behind me. At this revelation, I breathed a sigh of relief and got my head back in the game. An incredibly gorgeous woman was asking to come over to my house, and I was not about to miss out on the time of my life. Now, before I continue, I know what you're thinking. Dude, she's a complete stranger. But you don't understand. I wasn't thinking of the consequences. In fact, I wasn't doing much thinking at all. From the moment Lily smiled at me, I was a complete goner. I was eating out of the palm of her hand. I was wrapped around her little finger. I promise you, usually I wasn't this desperate, but you've got to believe me. This woman altered and rewired my whole entire brain chemistry every time those gorgeous lips of hers opened. She could be telling me that I was a dirty, filthy, worthless piece of crap, and I swear to you, I'm convinced that I would have heard the complete opposite. You uh, live in Tuscaloosa? My lips moved. The words sliding past them before I fully understood what I was saying. I'm in the area. This night was getting a whole lot better by the second. I mean, what were the chances? I'm sure a little company wouldn't hurt. With the most charming smile that I could muster, I leaned back in my gaming chair and cracked my knuckles. This was going to be one heck of a night. Just give me a few minutes to run a quick errand. I'll be over there in two shakes. That's when I realized that Lily wasn't in her room anymore. I've been so caught up in what she'd looked like I'd totally disregarded anything in the background. In fact, it sounded like she was in her vehicle. A couple of car horns could be heard blaring in the background, the typical sounds of Friday night traffic. No rush, I reassured her, before continuing. Say, are you, you hungry? Starving, she exclaimed, bottom lip shouting out in a playful pout. Well, you're in luck. I just ordered a pizza, and it should be delivered here in a little bit. I hope you like pineapple and ham. I knew pizza wasn't an impressive dinner, nothing fancy, or candlelit like she was probably used to, but I did have a couple of bottles of wine that might spice it up a little. She deserved that much, at least. <laughs> That's crazy, she giggled. That's actually my favorite. Where'd you order from? Geo's subpar, and I'm not a fan of Pizza Hut sauce. It's always too sweet. I watched in slight amusement as Lily pulled a face, her finger pointed slightly down her throat, in a 
barfing motion. It's a family-owned one. Pappy's Pizzeria has some of the best pizza. The teenagers that work there are a little snooty, but their thin crust is to die for. Oh, I love Pappy's Pizzeria. Lily's smile brightened before she said, I'm actually... I didn't get a chance to hear the rest of her response, though. The video cut out and my screen went blank. I didn't even get a chance to give her my number. With a frustrated sigh, I leaned back in my chair and kicked my desk. I reached for my phone, absent-mindedly scrolling through my Twitter, for a couple of minutes before I threw it down and stared up at the ceiling. This pizza was taking forever. I was already annoyed and my patience was hanging by a thread. Suddenly, the ding of the doorbell caught me off guard. It was about time. Whatever tip I'd even thought about giving the driver was going to stay buried in my wallet. Pappy's Pizzeria had top-tier pizza, but their customer service sucked. As I got to the door, I snatched up my wallet and pulled out some cash. I had been waiting on this pizza since the dawn of time, and if this wasn't my pizza delivery, I was about to go kick some kittens. I pulled open the door, wholeheartedly convinced that it was going to be one of the snotty teenagers from the pizzeria, but instead, I was met with raven-colored hair and seafoam green eyes. Wait a minute, what the heck? I faltered, confusion settling over my features, until I noticed that Lily was holding a pizza. Once again, what were the chances? I figured I'd just swing by and pick it up for you. Her smile was big and her eyes twinkled innocently. I just so happened to catch the pizza boy out in the parking lot and it turned out that he was getting ready to deliver your order. Literally everything Lily said felt incredibly fishy and any sane man would have slammed the door in her face. But unbeknownst to me, she had a trick up her sleeve. Before I even had time to react, I felt her hand reach out and grab my arms, her fingers lightly caressing my skin. And that's when I felt it. All my doubts, all my confusion, all the questions dancing on the tip of my tongue melted away the second she gazed up at me and whispered, Right, you believe me, I'm telling the truth. Lily's voice was like some warm honey dripping into my ears, and the second it took her to grace my skin, she'd easily willed me into submission, soothed my thoughts, and completely snuffed out the warning bells that were screaming at me only a few seconds beforehand. My head nodded almost on its own accord. Suddenly I didn't care where she came from or what she was doing here. I just knew that I couldn't get her inside my house fast enough. Charm radiated off of Lily like the aroma of melted cheese was radiating off of that pizza, and before I knew it, I was inviting her in. In fact, my brain was so clouded that I couldn't figure out what I wanted more, the pizza or her. Please understand me when I say that all of this was the biggest red flag to have ever graced mankind, but I was far too gone to even care. My mind was buzzing and my heart was beating so wildly within my chest that I thought I was going to die if I didn't touch her. I didn't know what the heck this feeling was, but I wanted more. No, I needed more. Every smile, every laugh, every flutter of her lashes was intoxicatingly addicting. I felt like a druggie begging for his next fix, and everything about this woman, 
was abso-freaking-lutely euphoric. The second Lily stepped past the threshold of my front door, it was like every fiber of her being called out to me. So, when she set the pizza down and made a move to kiss me, it was no surprise when things got heated. My hands flew to her hair, bunching up dark curls within my fingertips, as she moved her lips fervently against mine. From that point forward, everything was progressing rather quickly. An overwhelmingly hot whirlwind of emotions encompassed my entire being, all the way up until she got an unexpected phone call. Uh, with an irritated scoff, Lily pulled away from the kiss and apologized before picking up her phone. A name glowed up at her that made her falter. I need to take this. Mind if I step out of the room for a bit? Uh, yeah, sure. I breathed my chest rapidly, rising and falling, still worked up from our heated makeout session. The bathroom's right down the hall if you just want to step in there. Oh, perfect, she smiled. I'll be right back. Just sit tight for a second. With an obedient nod, I watched her disappear into my bathroom before I snuck back into the couch cushions. In all honesty, I was glad to have a bit of a breather. My thoughts were a swirling, muddy mess, lips swollen and red as I peered down at my embarrassingly sweaty palms. As I dragged in another breath, I couldn't help but close my eyes for just a second. I was so incredibly lightheaded that I thought I was going to pass out. But now that she had left me alone for a bit, I slowly regained my thoughts, the haze from before clearing just the slightest. I stood from my spot on the couch, deciding to go plate some of that pizza. The second Lily stepped through the door, I'd forgotten that I was even hungry at all. But now I was starving. When I flicked open the top of the pizza box, though, that feeling quickly dissipated and I nearly vomited. A large serrated knife was laying right smack dab in the middle of it, coated in blood, meaty tissue clinging to the teeth like poorly shredded chicken. Fear skittered across my arms in the form of goosebumps as I stumbled away from the pizza box, my eyes darting to the bathroom. I could hear her voice, low whispers, floating out from under the closed door. Yes, yes, I'm sure. I strained to hear bits and pieces of the conversation as I backed into my front door, fumbling for the doorknob. He's completely enraptured. I swear I won't get caught this time. I took precautions to make sure. That was all I needed to hear to realize that I'd gotten myself into quite a pickle. Whatever this lady was, she was freaking crazy, and I wanted no part of it. In fact, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that the red flags were glaringly bright. I couldn't, for the life of me, understand how I just let this psychopath waltz into my house. It was like she had me under some type of mild hypnosis. Without a second thought, I threw open my front door and raced out to my driveway. All the blood drained from my face the second I realized that my car was nowhere in sight. There was absolutely no trace of it. My mouth went dry as my eyes blinked several times. What the actual? Parked in the ditch across the street was my vehicle. It was turned completely upside down, parts of it littering the street. Adrenaline was coursing through me like a tidal wave. I didn't have time to think about how it got there, but part of me knew that she had something to do with it. My eyes quickly darted to the pizza car parked just beside my mailbox. It was still running. 
Lily had left the keys in the ignition. Another wave of nausea rushed over me when I realized that she was so confident in her skills that she had purposely left the car running. She wholeheartedly thought that I was going to be an easy kill. As the gravity of the situation slowly sunk in, I couldn't help but be thankful for that phone call. If whoever was on the other end of that line hadn't decided to interrupt her, she might have been right. I would have been dead as a doornail. Without another thought, I rushed over to her car, tugged the door open, throwing myself inside and shoving the car into drive. Terror was racing through me so fast, I didn't even realize the horror awaiting me in the back of the car. I only made it about a block down the road before I realized something wasn't right. Then I froze. For some reason, my jeans felt wet and sticky. And then I noticed it. Blood. Everywhere. My hand shook as I pulled into a random driveway. I was hyperventilating at this point, nearly catapulting myself into a full-blown panic attack, when I discovered something even worse. My eyes widened large as saucers when I peered through the rear-view mirror. There was a boy in the back, slightly slumped over in his seat. A hat was perched on his head, bloody curls peeking up beneath it. My eyes zeroed in on the words printed across the front before I stumbled out of the car and took off sprinting down the street. Staring back at me in big block letters was Pappy's Pizzeria. I'd been staying at my friend Mark's house ever since that night. When I crashed him and his girlfriend, Friday night's slumber party, they were both slightly annoyed until they realized I was covered in blood. Both of them were quick to console me before they shooed me off to the shower. My clothes were ruined, but Mark was more than glad to supply me with some new ones, stuffing the dirty ones into a freezer bag for the police. The authorities carefully scoured my car and my house, and very quickly, everything around me was tied up into a big bow of bright yellow crime scene tape. The police had been thoroughly investigating everything, explaining to me that there had been a string of unusual murders tied to Lily, and unfortunately, they had been coming up empty-handed. As of right now, she's evaded their every move, always one step ahead. I don't know exactly what she is, but Mark's convinced that she's a succubus. I gave him the rundown on everything that had happened the second she stepped foot into my house, and honestly, his assumption sort of makes sense. This woman, or demon, or whatever she is, had a hold on me that I can't quite explain, and she's still out there. She's still killing and she won't leave you alone until she's devoured every last bit of your soul. I know she's not done with me. I got a text from Lily last night. I thought I was safe at Mark's, but now I'm not so sure. If anything, I feel incredibly guilty for pulling him into this crapshoot that's become my life. Everything's in a shambles, and now I don't know what to do or where to turn. I'm stuck with an impossible decision. Hi, Ryder. You've been very naughty. The police can't help you, but I can. In fact, I'll make you a bargain. If you give me Mark's soul in exchange for yours, I'll spare you. You have 24 hours to make your decision. See you soon. Mark and I are heading out to his parents' lake house tonight when I get off work. I read him the text, purposely glossing over the part about Lily's bargain. I was terribly conflicted. 
He'd been a good friend to me for as long as I can remember, and the last thing I wanted to be was a coward. Both of us decided, after that text, that going off the grid to wait this out was our best bet for the next few weeks. But little does he know, that might not work out in his favor. I still don't know what to make of her text, but I'm sure she isn't bluffing. One way or another, Lily's going to find us, and when she does, I'm going to have to figure out whether our friendship is more important than my life. The pressure that I'm feeling is so incredibly heavy, and I can't help but feel that I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. On one hand, I brought this upon myself by talking to a complete stranger. But in my defense, my mind wasn't my own. This woman, Lily, she's not normal. She's got abilities that I can't even begin to comprehend. I know I said before that when she spoke, the heavens opened up and sunshine spilled out or whatever bullcrap I spouted when I was under her trance. But now I'm seriously wondering if that was hellfire instead. In the meantime, those of you in the Tuscaloosa area or any part of Alabama, heck, even those of you in the surrounding states, I'm begging you, please, stay off of Omegle. I'm pretty sure I met a succubus there, and now I'm bargaining for my life. I hope you enjoyed It's Hard to Resist Omegle by Haley Henson, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support them by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash Haley dash Henson. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash H-A-I-L-E-Y dash H-E-N-S-O-N. She made her debut back on this program on the first of our two Halloween episodes this year, though if you're not a patron, you may not have caught it. If what you heard tonight caught your interest, stay tuned to the end of tonight's program for more information on how you can hear that story and many more. In the meantime, that story is available for reading on creepypastastories.com, and you can find more stories on Reddit under the moniker Just the Girl Next Door. Thanks again for your support of this program and tonight's featured author. If you enjoyed what you've heard tonight, I'd like to remind you one last time that all of tonight's featured authors can be found by visiting our website. Thanks again for your support of this show and for all of tonight's featured authors. Now, before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me on this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs. Or become a patron for as little as $5 a month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, 
You can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Gyrie channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or X, or whatever it's this week, and Instagram too. Just search for Otis Gyrie. Stay tuned as this season's just getting started. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep, if you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name, and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. 
If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.